Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Yes, I have the masters on in the background. It is a beautiful course. It's a beautiful day. I'm going on Saturday and it's going to be rained out. But I can still eat my weight in pimento cheese and uh, drink my weight in beer and buy a lot of stuff at the gift shop. Now, the phone number, again, if you want to be on the program today, tomorrow is the Good Friday program. So we will be a little looser on phone calls today, 877-973-7425. Well, I say I'll be looser on phone calls. I don't know that the call screener will, but you can give him a try. (laughs) We must begin with a sad story. I'm actually not going to start today with your standard political fare because this has an angle into it, but it's, it's different and it's worth considering where this is shaping up. Um, I got to begin in Shasta County, California, and we must begin with Cedar, the goat. You probably haven't heard about the story. Uh, Cedar is a white boar goat with chocolate markings framing its face. There's now a federal civil rights lawsuit against the Shasta County and the Shasta County Sheriff's Office. The details of the story are stark. So, (laughs) so Cedar was purchased, uh, by a nine-year-old girl and her mom who fed and cared for the goat and bonded with the animal, but then decided to enter the animal in the Shasta District Fair's Junior Livestock Auction in June of 2022. The event uh, said animals were entered into the auction were part of a terminal sale where they would be sold off to be used as meat. No exceptions. All of the animals to be entered were animals that were going to be sold and barbecued. So they entered the auction, and then the little girl got emotional and hysterical and did not want her pet goat cedar barbecued. So they tried to get out of it. And the auctioneer informed the family it was time for that nine-year-old to learn a lesson. A deal's a deal. You put the goat in the auction. You raise the goat to be barbecued. The goat's going to die. (laughs) So the goat was purchased by a Republican state senator from California. The mom approached the state senator and said, look, my kid's hysterical beside herself. Her goat has gone to slaughter. It's a perfect story to do before Good Friday. The goat has gone to slaughter. And the Republicans said, don't worry about it, ma'am. You go get that goat back. Mom said she would reimburse him got the goat and took the goat to a animal rescue shelter. The auctioneer was having none of it. None of it. The auctioneer was having none of it and got the police department to go multiple counties over to the no-kill shelter and seize the goat and then made sure to get that goat processed and butchered as quick as possible so the nine-year-old couldn't get her goat back. Now there's a federal lawsuit. 
Again, the facts. They entered the auction. The terms of the auction were clear. Terminal sale, you can't, once the, the auction begins, you can't get the animal back. The girl was hysterical, crying. They said, ma'am, we're going to teach your daughter a hard lesson today. We're going to slaughter the goat. The person who purchased the goat said, nah, you're, you're good. Go get the goat. They got the goat and the auctioneer, because the transaction had not been complete, got the sheriff's department to drive a good long way to grab the goat. They willing with a search warrant to kick in the front door of the facility to find the goat. That's how intent they were on getting that goat back. And they got it, carved it up and ate it before anybody could do anything about it. Now you're wondering, Erickson, with all the stories in the news today, why in the name of all that is decent and holy, are you starting your program with a dead goat from more than a year ago? Ha <laughs> ha! Because that story from more than a year ago has led the Vox kids to say explicitly and openly, using some left-wing professors, one of whom is a male feminist studies historian at Duke University, the other a visiting fellow at Harvard Law School, to say it's time to get rid of 4-H and future farmers of America. That's right. Why? Let me read you this. A girl and her 4-H goat paint a picture of farming and food that is a far cry from the ceaseless brutality of the industrial abattoir. In death, Cedar may well remind parents that as long as 4-H teaches children to treat animals as commodities, the slaughterhouse will always be the final destination. The mercilessness mercilessness of the meat industry may at any moment barge into their pastoral scene, sirens blaring, search warrants in hand to execute a contract and a beloved animal alike. No, seriously, that's where this leads. One story about one goat and one hysterical child in California has now got the entire left up in arms about 4-H and future farmers of America that essentially 4-H teaches children to treat animals as commodities. Have y'all heard about my pet chicken? I had a pet chicken that was as good as Mary's little lamb. That pet chicken would literally follow me to school. Showed up in my yard one day, hobo, would sit on my shoulder like a parrot. Now I'm like 9, 10 years old. That chicken was my best friend when I was a kid. Hush up, Mom. Don't text me now. You're going to make me cry. Hobo was a great chicken. Hobo was my friend. I didn't have a pet. And then one day, Hobo showed up into my yard. But Hobo had an annoying habit. The only place Hobo would poop was on the front steps of our house. So every day, if I wanted to keep this chicken, I had to get up and I had to wash off the front steps. And let me tell you, chicken poop stinks. Well, one fine morning... A certain person who may also have my name and was running late to work ran out of the house. He had to take a helicopter to work. My dad did. Had to go catch a bus to get to the helicopter to get offshore. 
ran outside before I had a chance to wash off the front stoop and slid in the chicken poop all the way down the stairs. By that afternoon, two big burly Arab men were in the yard in their traditional Arab outfits chasing my chicken around the yard. I never saw a hobo again, but somebody had a good meal. <laughs> hobo got turned into chicken soup or something. I'm sympathetic to the nine-year-old. But how the left extrapolates this one grievance into everything. Remember what I've always told you about postmodern culture. The exception becomes the rule. So in this situation, uh, the auctioneers were very matter of fact. You signed the contract. We don't care about you or your tears or your goat. It's going to get barbecued. Never mind that the ultimate purchaser of the goat said, no big deal. Don't worry about it. Go get the goat. The transaction hadn't been completed. The auctioneer ruled the roost and that goat got barbecued. And therefore, all of 4-H must go away. All of it must go away. Why? Because of commercial commoditized meat industry. Here's the thing. You know what the tie-in here is? These are also the people who want you to eat bugs. They don't want to eat bugs. They want you to eat bugs. They want to end the industrial meat production of the country. They want to end mass farms. Now, I got to tell you, some of the situations in, in poultry houses, pig farms, like they're gross on the industrial scale. They're horrific. They can be environmental disasters, but that's not really what this is about. This is all about the idea, latently behind the scenes, population control. Uh, Malthus said we would we would be have scarcity and people would starve, and we didn't. Then you had what's his name, uh, Ehrlich come out, or, or uh, Ehrlich, whatever the guy's name is. You know who I'm talking about, Paul. What's his name? Uh, came out of the 1970s and th said there was going to be mass starvation. And in fact, the world continues to innovate. The world continues to be more efficient. And because the world innovates and continues to be more efficient, we are able to feed more people on less money than at any time in human history. It's been a remarkable success to be able to feed the planet. And where has the left gone? Well, there are now too many people. And one of the reasons there are too many people is because food is so cheap, people can procreate without a penalty. And we're all going to die as a result. This horrible, strange obsession. This horrible, strange obsession about the planet and the people and overpopulation to the point that the idea of teaching kids farm skills and raising animals and how animals are meant to be raised for slaughter, whether you like it or not. A hundred years ago, the idea of someone keeping a goat for a pet as opposed to a, for a barbecue would be anathema to almost everyone. That's what goats were for. That's what cows are for. And sheep, where you also get wool. None of these people are putting on their polyester shirts because they think that's just for bad for the environment. They're getting the wool from the sheeps that are probably also then going to slaughter. We have an entire movement that has taken up residency within one of the major political parties of the United States and dominates political parties around the world, condemning the ability to mass produce nutritious food on a large scale for cheap. The access to protein to build muscle and growth is reviled by the left these days. 
unless you can get it from your small organic butcher who lives five doors down and slaughters in his backyard. And even then, they don't like it. This is a cult, but it's not just a cult. It's a cult that's dangerous because it's taken up residency among the public policy maneuvering of America and the world. It's a cult that has taken up residency among the minds of the elite who they do not want to sacrifice their steak. They do not want to sacrifice their free-range chicken, but they want you to eat bugs and die because you are polluting the world. They get to drive and fly and and go on their private jets to Europe to hand-ring about uh, climate change, and you're supposed to go eat bugs. The world's elite have been allowed to view themselves for too long as an aristocracy. And they're too clueless and arrogant to realize the horrible things coming their way if they don't exercise some level of humility. The entirety of this story, this exception to the story, we don't often hear about these sorts of stories. The police are not often kicking in doors to try to rescue goats and take them to the slaughter. But this one story is a story that is a jumping off point, an exception to the rule to show that industrial farming is somehow bad, and now to demand that Congress impose penalties to reduce industrial farming, drive up the cost, and penalize poor people who for the first time in history can get high-quality protein extremely affordably. The left is at war with reason, and they are at war with humanity. They are more interested in saving goats than feeding people The left does not care about you. They care about their comfort. And the more Republicans, the more conservatives, the more public policymakers from the right are willing to speak out to point to these sorts of stories and the absurdities to which they lead and the impact they have on the poor, the better the right will do in this country. They should look at a story like this that seems so absurd and say this actually is a very big story. They're trying to use one dead goat from a year ago to end industrial farming and industrial meat production, which would have a negative, awful impact on the whole world. But they don't care because they want to feel good about saving the goat while the people starve to death. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. We must return to the tale of Don Lemon at CNN. Mary Catherine Hamm is a conservative writer, commentator. She's been a pundit. Uh, Know her wonderful, wonderful human being. When Jeff Zucker was at CNN, she finally wrote a piece uh, after Zucker was booted from CNN and noted that uh, when she was critical of Jeffrey Tubin for, well, I believe it was Tubin tugging his Tubin while he was on a Zoom call and CNN let it slide or some such, and she criticized that she was taken off air. Uh, Tubin was not removed from CNN, but she was taken off air. And now there's this story from Variety about Don Lemon at CNN, and this is not in the Chris Licht era. This is in the uh, this is in the Jeff Zucker era that Don Lemon behaved really badly towards a lot of people uh, on air, including Kira Phillips at CNN, really some uh, threatening text messages. One informed her uh, she crossed the line. She was going to 
pay for it from an anonymous number. CNN traced it back to Don Lemon. Uh, the, I mean, the list of things that Lemon did to women at CNN, it just keeps growing. And what uh, Mary Catherine Ham has pointed out is that all the women involved no longer work at CNN, but Don Lemon still does. How does this man keep his job? Lemon called one of his producers fat to her face. Not long before he was identified as sending threatening text to Kira Phillips, he mocked Nancy Grace on air by mimicking her, shocking fellow colleagues. Grace declined to comment. If Lemon felt threatened by Grace, the biggest star at CNN Headline News at the time, she wasn't the only one. He got upset that Soledad O'Brien launched the gig of hosting CNN's high-profile Black in America docuseries. During an editorial call, he suggested O'Brien wasn't black, according to two witnesses. When he wasn't shocking his cohorts, he was annoying them with diva-like behavior like skipping editorial calls, showing a plate to the newsroom, or just generally exhibiting in disengaged behavior. Now, uh, the whole issue here with Don Lemon is that he keeps getting passes at CNN, and apparently people have had enough. And they're hoping that uh, by exposing this more complete behavior of what's going on, maybe he will go away. I got to tell you, I've tried to watch the CNN morning show. It is dry. It's it's. I appreciate CNN going back to news, but uh, watching Don Lemon in the mornings on CNN, I would rather watch myself in the mirror getting a colonoscopy uh, without any anesthesia. It's just I, I have no desire to do that, and nor does most of America, judging by the ratings. I probably time to make him expendable given his treatment of so many people so poorly over so long. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the show, Jennifer, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Hi. Um, I just wanted to make a comment on what you were saying earlier about um, how the leftist they are so unwilling to sacrifice animals to the meat industry for the sake of feeding people. But I would go a step further and say that they're not willing to sacrifice the animals, but they are willing to sacrifice your children at the abortion mills is what I call it, because that's kind yeah. of what they are. Um, but if, you know, one of the, one of the things, one of the tactics that the leftists do like to use is they like to get biblical on, on, on the right. And they'd have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, Jesus told us that we are of greater value than the animals. And did he not eat lamb with his disciples? Yep. Yep. Uh, lamb. And then it, it, after resurrection, uh, made, uh, caught fish and grilled it for Peter. So, yes. Um, the Look, this is a larger issue here with the left. Uh, might as well get into this, Jennifer. And I, I appreciate you calling. Uh, might as well go where I wasn't going to go. What the heck? Uh, it's the Thursday. It's Holy Thursday. The left has become extremely religious. And it's people say there are a lot of people who identify as atheists. There's really no such thing as an atheist. Uh, you, you may not believe in the God of the Bible. But everybody worships something. The left has taken secularism and made it a religion. Just, just think about what does a religion have? Uh, a religion has a belief in a, in a higher power. It has a creation story. 
It has uh, priests. It has liturgies. It has hymns. It has orthodoxies. It has doctrine. It has apostates and heretics. What does the left have? The left has a creator, which is Mother Nature, evolution, itself. The left believes it can make male and female, even to itself. It has priests. I mean, whatever the head of Planned Parenthood says or, or the ranking bishop of the Episcopal Church, the, binding on everybody, with this, this is how we've got to guide ourselves. It's got liturgies in how it conducts rallies and how it conducts protests. Uh, now, one of the, one of the liturgies now is in, instead of peace be with you and also with you, it's my pronouns are, your pronouns are. It's got anthems. I mean, we shall overcome is is a anthem of the civil rights movement. Holy, holy, holy is usually the first hymn in in a Christian hymn book in Protestant churches and. Imagine from John Lennon is what they play at all the, the secular rallies. There, there is your anthem for secularism, Imagine by John Lennon, or the, the Christmas one for him for, for the Christmas season. It's got doctrines and orthodoxies. One of the orthodoxies is the world is warming and it is our fault. And it's got doctrines. Its doctrine for eschatology is that the world is going to end in fire, just like Christian eschatology, except it's going to end in fire because of us, all the people, and it doesn't matter what they do, they're still screwed as long as you got mouth breathers driving SUVs and having kids. And one of the doctrines and orthodoxies of, of the secular church is that there are too many people. I heard someone the other day, actually I heard, I read someone the other day, a liberal the other day on social media said, the solution to overpopulation will not be found by having more people. How is the world overpopulated? How exactly is the world overpopulated? When the left hears overpopulation, what they actually mean is a number they don't like. Like an assault rifle. What is an assault rifle? It's a gun that looks spooky to the left. Paul Ehrlich is who I was talking about earlier. Wrote the book, The Population Bomb, in 1968. Uh, believed that there was going to be scarcity, famine. Uh, people were going to die. There would be mass starvation. Paul Ehrlich wrote that book in 1968. 60 Minutes had him on a few weeks ago. Still an expert. Completely discredited. And yet 60 Minutes decided to put him on and let him pontificate some more. Why? Because he is one of the priests and theologians of this left-wing movement. And ultimately what it all comes back to is population and scarcity. When you look at all of the issues of the left, transgenderism, what is transgenderism ultimately about? It's about sterilization of people so they can't procreate. They want people to embrace transgenderism. They want women to believe they are men and go on and, and have the reconstruction and the hysterectomy so you can't have kids. They want men to believe they're women so they're not trying to procreate. Go on and chop it off and construct something else. Abortion, what is it? Ultimately, it's about population. It's about control. Here's my personal theory. We might as well get a little bit of theology in here today. It is Holy Thursday, after all. Here's my theological theory. 
Scripture says the gates of hell will not overcome the church, and so the devil says, well, let's just see if I can limit the numbers that get in. If the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, might as well try to limit the number of people in the church. That's what's going on here at a theological level. Now, we'll save we'll save theology for tomorrow. It's Good Friday, but uh, you, you you see my point here. When you when you look at all the major policies the left embraces, it is a common theme, and I don't know that it's it's like. I, I don't know that it's actually intentional, like mentally intentional. It, it, it clearly is intentional, but are they actually thinking about it that way? But it's not a coincidence when you look at the major policy solutions believed in by the left and the major concerns of the left, it all comes back to population. We need less people. So they want to get rid of industrial for farming to drive up the cost of having people to discourage people. They want to put you in a city and reduce the size of, of your, your carbon footprint. And to do that, you got to reduce your number of kids. They want to restrict gas mileage. So cars have to be super small or battery powered, which means you can't have a big SUV to fill up with a lot of kids. They want you to, well, reconstruct your bodies so that you become sterile. Ultimately, it's about restricting the number of people on the planet. And by the way, it's working on the left in particular. It's one reason I personally think if you are on the right, uh, God says be fruitful and multiply, you should have as many kids as possible. You should just, just procreate, have children, have a big family, so that when you get old, you have a social safety net of kids who are taking care of you instead of being dependent on a government that's going to want to euthanize you when you're 80 years old because you're an expendable carbon waste. Now, I went off the rails there a little bit, which is fine. Um, needed to be said. But uh, there's another story that I want to talk about. By the way, I blame the caller for me going off the rails. Now, nonetheless, there, there's another there's another big controversy out there today. I'm, I'm trying, if you can tell, when I sat down to do the show today, I'm already tired of talking about the indictment. There's news on the indictment. I'm tired of talking about it. I believe most of you are exhausted by it anyway. I mean, there's no new information on it. I'm trying to figure out what else is out there that is relevant, that has flown under the radar, that has gotten completely overshadowed by all the conversations about the stupid indictment. Here's another one. Elon Musk, who now owns Twitter, has decided to label National Public Radio as state-affiliated media, and National Public Radio is spitting mad about it. This is the, the story from National Public Radio. Twitter labels NPR's account as state-affiliated media, which is untrue. NPR operates independently of the United States government. And while federal money is important to the overall public media system, NPR gets less than 1% of its annual budget on average from federal sources. So you're admitting NPR that NPR gets part of its budget, however small it might be, from federal sources. Noting that millions of listeners who support and rely upon NPR for independent fact-based journalism, NPR CEO John Lansing 
stated NPR stands for freedom of speech and holding the powerful accountable. It is unacceptable for Twitter to label us this way. A vigorous, vibrant, free press is essential to the health of our democracy. Um, really? So somehow or another, it's just different? What? Even though you get money from the federal government? Huh? Listen, listen to the bio, by the way, of, of the CEO of, of National Public Radio, John F. Lansing, and then in parentheses, he, him, oversees one of the country's most iconic news organizations, blah, 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 veteran career journalist, served as CEO of the U.S. Agency for Global Media, the independent federal agency whose programming reaches an average weekly audience of 345 million people. What? Wait, so he was a government appointee? What? How is this? Because National Public Radio is the government's news radio. National Public Radio is funded by the government. And I got to tell you, so I have a, a bone to pick here in all seriousness. National Public Radio may be upset with Twitter naming it a state-affiliated media, but it truthfully is. And the fact that NPR refuses to acknowledge it as state-affiliated media actually is a damning indictment of NPR's commitment to the truth. It is public radio. What is public radio? Owned by the public. It is funded by Congress. Republicans for years have tried to get rid of funding by NPR, and it has regularly blocked the funding. NPR is a governmental, governmentally funded organization. Now, there's I have another bone to pick with them as well. NPR is not advertising generated. It's not for profit. It doesn't run advertising. But what NPR does is it's metered. So let me let me just pull back the curtain on, on TV and radio a bit. There's this company called Nielsen. Many of you have probably done the diaries before. You have the little meters that read encoded signals from TV and radio stations. So Nielsen can track what you're watching, how long you're watching. Uh, those meters and those diaries go to perform, to produce ratings for television and radio. The ratings for television and radio and the market share, how many people listen, are then used to set advertising rates in major markets. National Public Radio and and public broadcasting, PBS stations, participate. Now, why do they participate? No one should care. They don't get advertising dollars. Their participation in these systems very often then skews the listenership. They they were given an advantage by the federal government in the setup of their signals. They get funding from government to be able to help buy their signals. They tend to be broadcast from universities uh, in key areas around states that can spread their signal. In some cases, synchronized signals. It boosts their ratings, gives them a competitive advantage, and skews the marketplace for for-profit radio by a nonprofit radio and television station. It's just absurd that this is a situation where for-profit companies are forced to compete against a nonprofit government-subsidized product in a marketplace where the product we're competing against doesn't actually even take advertising dollars, and yet they participate in a system that skews it for everybody else. 
the Corporation for Public Broadcasting oversees NPR. They can twist it and twist the truth all they want. But the reality is they are state affiliated. And if they're not, why the hell do our taxpayer dollars go to fund the product? If you want to not be considered state affiliated, go to Congress tomorrow, John Lansing, he, him, and tell Congress, stop sending us money. And then maybe Elon Musk will strip that label off. Until then, it's accurate and the inaccuracy is your willingness to flout the truth. I have no sympathy for NPR trying to hide behind um, various other metrics to obscure the fact that it is subsidized by the federal government. Now, I want you to be independent thinkers, independent-minded, and consider your independent investment solutions, and you can by going to Advantage Gold. Call them at 800-450-2566. Talk to them. They're TrustLink's number one highest-rated gold company seven years in a row. They'll give you a free gold IRA kit if you call them at 800-450-2566, and they can teach you independent strategies for you to handle your money, whether it's in an IRA or a 401k or your general investment strategies. If you are at all interested in gold or silver, other precious metals to invest in to kind of ease the ebbs and flows of the market and inflation and world affairs and the like, reach out to them. They might be able to answer your questions. The only gimmick that Advantage Gold has is that it doesn't have any gimmicks. It's straight shooting. They give you the advice. You call them with your questions. They give you the answers. And their hope is that by playing it straight, giving you the answers, you might do business with them instead of one of the companies that tries to put a hard sell on you. Advantage Gold's number is 800-450-2566. That's 800-450-2566. Do not forget to subscribe to the email list. Uh, You're particularly going to want to do that before tomorrow. Text DATA to 33777 uh, if you want to subscribe. Well, Robert Kennedy Jr. has decided to run for president of the United States. He's going to run as a Democrat. He filed his candidacy Wednesday with the FEC. Uh, he also got Marion Williamson in there. We, You know, maybe Operation Chaos. Um, I, I will tell you, though, I do wonder, given the fixation of some people on the right these days with, with vaccines, does Kennedy pick up some support from the hardcore anti-vax uh, people on the right? I'm not sure. But it might be an opportunity to seed some chaos on the Democratic side, except I think all hands on deck for the GOP when it comes to 2024. They've got their own contentious primaries they're going to have to deal with, and you're not going to want to cross party lines to prop up RFK when you got to deal with who you want for your nominee in 2024. Um, I want to actually spend some time on that later in the show. What actually happens with, with Trump getting so much attention right now, where do the Republicans go? How do the Republicans proceed? How do they navigate media attention, fundraising and the like, and, and all the nonsense out there in the press. We'll spend some time on that. But this is kind of funny. Robert Kennedy Jr. deciding he's going to challenge uh, Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination. It's not going to succeed. But did you notice Gavin Newsom is in Florida? He went to the new what new school or whatever, the uh, Florida New University, whatever they call it, the woke school that DeSantis is cleaning up. He went there to hang out. Now, California prohibits taxpayer dollars being used to take trips to a place like Florida. 
That's right. Progressive states led by Gavin Newsom have repeatedly boycotted funds from states, their states, to go to conservative states. It's frankly something I think Congress should actually prohibit um, having these states discriminate against each other. And notice the media never calls them out for doing that. Media would, if Texas were to do it to California, it would be a massive scandal on CNN, but t- California doing it to Texas is not. The question is, how did Gavin Newsom pay for this trip to Florida? Did he violate California law, a California law he insisted on or an executive order that he imposed? Did he violate his own rules? I mean, this is the guy who shut down the state of California, told people they couldn't go to restaurants, and then went to the French Laundry restaurant with a bunch of his friends unmasked to have dinner. So it's not like he doesn't have a history of hypocrisy when it comes to following his own rules. Um, But it was funny to see him in Florida. DeSantis would mop the floor with that guy.